Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Monday night. The All-Star Weekend is now well and truly over. And before I bring in Justin Garcia, who I'm not even going to say he's a guest anymore. He's on the podcast once a week. He's part of the podcast. He's, he's absolutely no longer a guest. But I just want to shout out AGS on Twitter, at Aplinder, who said... Who called me out for saying that I sounded a little rough on the podcast this morning? Well, because the podcast was a little bit late on Monday, this I'm, we are recording this about seven hours after uh, I recorded actually Monday's pod. So I hope that the time has done my voice well, and I hope that I'm sounding a little more professional for this uh, for this Tuesday morning pod. But shout out to you because you're not wrong. I uh, after we left the United Center last night, I definitely I, I said I owned it. I went out, enjoyed the Chicago nightlife, uh, and woke up this morning and 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 cranked out that pod. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to the listeners. He was right. But perhaps I was sounding a little rough. But Justin, I spoke about the All Star Weekend. Is there anything after you look at that, whether it's the All Star Game, whether it is Pack on it on Saturday night? Is there anything that you walked away from that weekend that you you need to get off your chest? Uh, Midwest nightlife still undefeated, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Uh, I don't know. Like my takes are unoriginal, and I've had them for years now. That I'm just over the slam dunk contest. That the final two were great, but we saw the same dunk over and over. And yeah. the problem with the dunk contest is number one, you, you reach the problem with judges who just hand out tens freely. Uh, and I feel like we've pretty much seen everything at this point. Yeah, that's interesting. So I was actually talking to Ted Davis today on, uh, on his radio show over at 97.3. And he said the same thing. He said, oh, I'm kind great. of, a, <laughs> you don't, I mean, you would probably know that. I mean, you, you work with that guy all the time. You've probably heard uh, him say that, but he said that he was over the dunk contest. And I said, well, I said, I, I don't know if I'm over it, uh, and I think I mentioned this on yesterday's pod that I would probably change the scoring system. But uh, I, I think one interesting thing that I heard, again, people know, I keep bringing it up, but I, I do listen to No Dunks very regularly. And I think that they, a point that they brought up is that it's, this sounds ridiculous, like completely ridiculous to even think about saying this, but jumping over a person has kind of become a little bit stale. <laughs> Yep. And and I know that that like that even to even say that is absolutely ridiculous. But how many dunks did we see on Saturday night where they just stand someone there and they jump over them and they dunk and it's totally fine. And respect to to Pat Connaughton and again, as I said this uh, yesterday, the first one with Yelich, no one else finished their first dunk, and the fact that he was able to get that on the first try was really cool. But it, it's kind of weird now that we've got to this point where it's like, ah, oh, what you're just gonna like stand a 
a really tall guy out there and, and jump over him. Okay, well, we, we see this every single year. It's, 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 it's really weird to say that, but maybe it has become a little bit stale. I'm not so sure. I just think if you change the scoring a little bit, then you can, get, uh, you can make this thing a little bit more interesting. Well, if we do the uh, jumping over someone, let's, let's just mix it up and dunk over someone. Instead of jumping over someone, have somebody defend the dunk and try to dunk over someone. Uh, the, the only scoring change, too, is I think it's time to just give out, have all four guys dunk and then give out scores after each of the four. Not individually, but after all four have gone, then this player got X, this player got this, this player got that. So it's not everybody keeps getting tens. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm certainly definitely – I'm absolutely in the camp that 50s are given out too freely. I mean, uh, I'm not saying that Aaron Gordon wasn't great, but if he's getting five 50s in a row, it's like I don't know where you go from that. And and that's kind of the problem if you see uh, someone like Pat, again, that we keep on mentioning it, but his first dunk over Yalich, uh, his score was a little low. And then no matter what he did, he just couldn't catch up from that point, even though – Potentially, the second dunk over Giannis was the best one in the first round. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. We know that they did a lot to certainly fix the actual All-Star game, particularly what happened in the fourth quarter was incredible. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. But uh, maybe there's still some tinkering they can do with the uh, All-Star Saturday night. We know they messed with the the three-point shootout a little bit, which I don't think that affected anything. The three-point shootout was still a lot of fun. Uh, The one... A thing that I did throw out on Twitter just a couple of hours ago with the skills challenge was potentially uh, throwing in a station where uh, the the players have to dribble through their legs 10 times with TJ Ford's uh, basketball shorts on and see if they can actually uh, uh, get that done with those. Not, they weren't even three quarters. They were basically pants. TJ Ford was just playing basketball in pants. They were capris. They were man priests. <laughs> What a, and you know you, you mentioned the skills challenge too. What a great night for Chris Middleton haters that everything is going to happen <laughs> and then finally Chris Middleton struggles to dribble the basketball. Yeah, he, it was unfortunate. I mean, uh, he he uh, hasn't had a great run on the All Star Saturday night, and and the fact that that happened was uh, yeah for him. I mean, he was dribbling in the open court, uh, sort of mishandled the ball there. That was uh, not a great way to go out for him, but. Uh, again, overall, uh, an incredible All-Star weekend. And, and the one thing I really want to get to with this podcast is uh, the respect. I guess the Bucks should have got or potentially still need to earn. And we've seen a lot of this after the All-Star game last night. And I've said this before. Everyone that listens to the podcast has heard me say that uh, if you are basing... Or, or stressing out about what the national media says against the box says about the box, then uh, it's going to be a rough year for you because they're in a position where, yes, last year they had an incredible season, 60 wins that get to the Eastern Conference Finals. We know that it was an incredible run, but they fell short of making the NBA Finals. And the interesting thing for Milwaukee is that not often do teams go from being non-contenders to all of a sudden going all the way to the NBA Finals. Like it just doesn't happen, and yet. The Bucs don't seem to be getting that respect as a team that has had that experience. They came within, uh, obviously, two wins of the, of the finals, went through that learning experience, had the, the, the heartbreak of losing to the, to the Raptors in, in Toronto. And now they've, they've only gotten better. I mean, you look at everything. Number one ranked defense, third ranked offense, and then number one in net rating. They're destroying everyone. 
And yet there doesn't seem to be anyone that believes in them that they can go uh, that extra step this year to not only the finals, but potentially win a championship. And you saw that today. The aftermath of the All-Star game, you saw a whole bunch of national riders that wanted to point to Giannis not scoring in the fourth quarter of the freaking All-Star game as a reason why he is not the guy on the team. This is the MVP. He's on his way to being the two-time MVP, back-to-back MVP winner. The Bucs are on pace to win in 70 games. They're beating the Lakers. They're beating the Clippers. I, I, you know, I mean, at this point, there's really literally nothing that they're going to be able to do in the regular season. But they do have some interesting matchups going down the stretch towards the playoffs in the back half of the season here. So I guess the question I have for you is, what do they actually have to prove in the second half of the season? And is it actually going to matter what they do on the court in regards to getting that belief from outside uh, commentators? The stress of daily life weighs on us all. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. Theragun products are used by over 250 professional sports teams worldwide, physical therapists, trainers, chiropractors, celebrities, athletes, and everyday people in over 40 countries. Feel better naturally, treat your pain, and get back to your life. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or get your money back by going to theragun.com slash locked on. And for a limited time, listeners of this podcast get a free charging stand with every purchase, a $79 value purchase right there. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on. Um, so for the record, so, so you, you don't think Nick Nurse having his worst coaching performance in the All-Star game has anything to do with the Bucks' chances moving forward that the whole, well, see, it's, it's more of a wall and you can shut down Giannis and Giannis disappeared in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, it, it's just been like moving goalposts for the last year. Yeah, right. Where first it was, well, the team hasn't won anything and they got to get out of the first round and then they got out of the first round. And it was, well, you don't jump from not winning a series to the finals just like that. And they got to the conference finals. And now, you know, as the point you made before, they went through that last year where you can't make the argument of, well, the team still has to grow. Uh, It was, you know, they don't have a number two guy. And Chris Middleton has been more than that this year, that it just seems like there's always going to be something. And the interesting thing to me, too, is I've heard a few people bring up whenever we talk about the pace that they're on and this team could win 70 games, uh, they don't want, I don't want the team to win 70 games really out of fear. (laughs) If they win 70 and don't win a championship, it is going to be a colossal failure. Yeah. So, I mean, like if, if we are just purely talking about that, I don't actually think the Bucks are going to win 70 games. I mean, I, I think for them at this point to only go through the, I always say the back half, but okay, the final third of the season, they only lose four games. I don't think that's going to happen because, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be so far ahead in, in even the last week of the season that we saw this last year in the game that comes to mind, obviously the last game, so they secured the 60 wins. 
They play the, the Thunder at home. No one plays and they lose the game. I think we're going to see more of that this season because potentially if 70 is in play, maybe those guys play right through to the last game. But I also think that this team has had their successful regular season. That was last year. They didn't even talk about 60 last year as, as something that they really desperately wanted. Well, certainly Bud didn't. The players uh, were a little more open to talking about that. But I think that they went through that experience last year of being the best regular season team in the NBA. And now they're like, okay, that was fun. Yeah, we're dominating this year, but there's only one goal in mind and that's winning the NBA championship. So I, I just, I would bet against 70 coming into play anyway. I mean, they're probably going to win 65-plus games, which is just absurd to even think about as it is. But I, I, I don't think... While we talk about the fact that they're on 70-win pace, I don't think they're actually going to get there. But the interesting thing is when you look at the Eastern Conference and the teams that they've played so far, so you're talking about the, the teams that are chasing the Bucs, so the Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Sixers, Pacers. The Bucs right now... Five and four against those teams. And this is interesting because they honestly just haven't seen those teams a lot in the first half of the season. And even if you look at these losses, so the four losses that they've had, the Pacers last week, obviously last game before the All-Star break, not to discredit the win for the for the Pacers, but, I mean, funny stuff happens in the last game before the All-Star break. And also the fact that, that Giannis wasn't playing, uh, you know, that, that loss is kind of like, eh, whatever, that, that's potentially what you would have expected the christmas day game uh, look that was a shocker and the bucks were playing so well prior to that just a week before that they only just had their 18 game winning streak uh, busted by uh dallas so that was certainly a surprise to see that performance we know the Sixers shot really well from three but the other two losses against boston and miami were in the first week of the season right and while they're 46 and 8 right now it is ridiculous to think that the bucks at one point were two and two but even in both those games, we know they had at least an 18-point lead in both of those games and were in a position to win and probably threw those games away in the first week of the season. And, so, and part of me still thinks that losing those games and the frustration that Giannis was going through, particularly early in the season with the officials, sort of steeled this team. And they were like, okay, yeah, we've, we've had a couple of losses here in the first week. We're better than that. Uh, let's bounce back and, and get down to business. And they've done that ever since. I, I just think that the second half of the season with all these matchups that they're going to play against all those those good teams we just spoke about are going to be really interesting to watch how they play out. But to this point, the Bucs haven't had too many issues with those teams. And I, I just, I guess I don't understand where the skepticism comes from. Well, it feels like a lifetime ago since that two and two start. Right. And, uh, you know, what, 44 and six since that happened. The... The Celtics and Heat are the two interesting teams to me. And uh, the Raptors you can throw in there too, just because, uh, you know, with those two teams especially, you played Boston once more since then and won that game. But, um, you know, to lose to the Heat and everybody pointing to the Heat aren't afraid of the Bucs. They've already beaten them. The second game of the season when this was a much different team and that loss to the Celtics very early in the season. And I get both teams are different, not just the Bucs, but um, – those two teams to me are the ones I guess I'm most anticipating the matchups that we have on the calendar in March, just to see how those go uh, given how early those matchups came this season. But, you know, I agree with you that 
I don't think this team will win 70 games. I think there's a good chance they set the franchise record for wins, which would be 67. And so you'd have to go, what, 21 and seven, I think, in uh, the final fourth year of the season. Um, but the other part is, and we've all spent a lot of time talking about the Bucks schedule early on this season, how, you know, especially right out of the gates, it was one of the, the most difficult schedule out there in the league. And just that path that they went through and those tough teams that they had, then they kind of hit this stretch where, and another part of the, you know, national media poking holes through, and we heard it in fairness, we did hear it again with the Raptors during the 15 game win streak of, well, who do they play on that win streak? Um, but the schedule did get a little softer for the Bucks after uh, the first, what, probably three or four weeks of the season. In these final 28 games, the last I checked, I think they have the fifth most difficult remaining schedule. And in terms of teams we would deem contenders, it is far and away the most difficult. I think the next closest was the Nuggets, and they were around ninth or tenth. So the schedule does get very more, very much more difficult for this team. And it's especially, uh, what, around a 10-day stretch in the end of March where you have a couple of games with the Raptors, the Rockets are on there, the Sixers, the Celtics. So that's going to be interesting to see how this team responds to that stretch of, I think it's five out of six straight games are like the Rockets, two of the Raptors, the Celtics, the Heat may be on there and uh, the 76ers are on there. So the way they close out the season is going to be interesting for a number of ways. Well, it will. And, and when you look at the, the Bucks schedule coming up, so obviously uh, we've spoke uh, about the first game out of the All-Star break is against the Bucks. Uh, I, I saw someone describe, I think it might have been our friend Dan Schaefer that mentioned uh, the no, Detroit. No, the, I, I know you said against the Bucks, but given the roster that the Pistons have, that's not really a mistake. No, well, yeah, right, exactly. Sorry, the, uh, the AAA affiliate. Of the box, that's what Dan Schaefer mentioned as the as the Pistons. So that's that's what I was getting at there. But uh, after that, obviously the Sixers come to town on Saturday, which is going to be a big matchup. And then next week, the Bucks are in Toronto, and they have three games against the Raptors still to come. So the interesting thing for me will be that late season stretch because it starts on. And you pointed to obviously they're going to have the Rockets. So the Rockets are on March twenty five. And then they have the Wizards in between. But then they go to Dallas on March 29. Remember, uh, Luka Doncic didn't play in that game where the Mavericks beat the Bucs. But we know the Bucs uh, tend to hold a grudge with teams that have beaten them in the past. So they'll go to Dallas and try to win that one. Then they're home against the Raptors. Then they go on the road to Toronto to face the Raptors. Then they're on the road against Boston, on the road against Philadelphia. So uh, that is a, a really, really difficult stretch. But the interesting thing about this is that starts at March 25 and ends on April 7th. The Bucks are 6.5 games clear at the top of the East right now. Now, we know the Bucks are super competitive and they don't like losing games. But at that point of the season, if the Bucks keep playing the way that we think that they're going to play, they're still going to have a significant lead on not only the second team, in the East, but probably a significant lead for the best record in the entire NBA, which means, as as we know, if they make it to the finals, they'll have uh, game one and two at Fiserv Forum. 
I mean, are you like looking after some guys at that point? I mean, this is this is the interesting thing about that. That schedule wise would be the best stretch of the of the regular season schedule in terms of really, really learning things about this team. I'm just not so sure in April, a week out from the start of the playoffs, that everyone's going to be playing. Yeah, and that you know, that stretch especially um six and a half games with twenty eight to play. I mean that's that's a lot of ground to make up. Yeah. So it would take the Bucks basically going something like one and four in those games or one and five, whatever it is, two and four, something like that, for the Raptors to really make it uncomfortable that I think it's probably around five or six that they end up winning the East by, that they're going to you know keep it around that range that you know if it's a six-game lead with four games left to play and it's over – it, it's you would assume going to be a lot like what we saw last year where we saw the Bonzi Colson games and the Sterling Brown game and Tim Frazier getting starts. Yeah, so that's not a bad point you bring up. So out of those stretch of games, when, you, when you're talking about the, the real impact it's going to have on the Bucs and, and playoff uh, you know, seeding, home court advantage, the only team that probably can catch the Bucs is Toronto. And obviously they have those back-to-back games uh, the, the home and home a couple of days apart. They got a day off in between against the Raptors. Maybe that's the game that the Bucks will be like, yeah, right. This might actually mean something. If it gets to that point where they are close enough that if they lost both of those games, it might affect anything that that guys will play. But yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just look at it and see Philadelphia at home on April 7. Uh, like I said, a week out from the playoffs. I'm like, well, did you, to me, it just doesn't seem like that's that's the type of thing or type of road trip that you're going to be running guys into the ground to try and win regular season games for what win number sixty seven. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like well, it, it just doesn't seem like there's a there's a huge benefit to get from that. And I, I think maybe the most ridiculous part about the Bucks' first half of the season, if you will, is you know there was a time probably about two to three weeks ago where uh, I know on some of my shows we spent time talking about. <laughs> will their lead be 10 games over whoever's in second place at the all-star break? And, you know, at the time we brought it up, it was Miami and then kind of went back and forth between Miami and Miami and Boston. But I think it was eight, maybe eight and a half was the highest that it got. So obviously the Raptors came on strong, but to look at it and say the Raptors had a 15 game win streak and still it was six and a half, seven and a half that it was really fluctuating between that. That's how much ground the Raptors made up essentially one game in terms of what the high water mark was, despite having a 15 game win streak heading into the all-star break shows you just what level the bucks were at for the first half of the season. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the biggest problem with the, the Raptors 15 game winning streak, uh, you know, was the, the fact that the Bucks were a pathetic uh, 13 and two during that stretch. So, uh, you know, you just say, I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. I mean, you, you I, I don't even know like how uh, that team can, or any team can, can get close to the Bucks as you pointed to, it would take a, a seriously disastrous stretch um, by Bucks regular season standards from la- this, this season and last season uh, for anyone to catch them. So I just, I just don't think that's going to happen, but uh, as we do, Sort of look now towards this game against the Pistons. Still a couple of days away. Uh, we, you know, clearly already mentioned the 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 huge ex Milwaukee presence that's going to be on that Detroit roster. But from uh, 
a Milwaukee standpoint, obviously uh, Giannis missed the, the final two games before the All-Star break and uh, he shook off the rust in the All-Star game. I guess you could say 25 points, 11 rebounds. He'll come back into the team. He'll be back in the starting lineup. I'm just really curious to see what happens with this rotation. I know we spoke about Marvin Williams a little bit after the Pacers game, but uh, you know, particularly with a matchup like the Sixers, and we'll see. We saw that they had Al Horford coming off the bench in their last game before the All-Star break. Uh, I don't want to completely skip over this uh, Pistons game that's, that's coming up, but the Sixers game is clearly one that everyone's going to be looking forward to. What do you expect from a guy like uh, Marvin Williams that's you know, just sort of dipped his toes in the waters against Indiana and was pretty damn good? The, the, the lineups were good. The, the Bucks were good with him on the floor. Are you expecting that he's what going to completely come into this rotation and overtake Gerson? I know this is something that uh, I get asked a lot. Bucks fans are, are certainly really curious about, and and I kind of am too because we know where Gerson stands with Bud. Um. Yeah, exactly. So your response, I just want to say, <laughs> is is perfect. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess, I guess the best. So completely overtake him? No, just based off what we've seen yeah. for the. The last two years, nothing outside of Ursan, knock on wood, having a season-ending injury is going to overtake him in the rotation that I guess – I assume it's going to be more matchup-based with both of them. But, you know, the problem is that we have seen what we would think would be ideal matchups for Ursan or for, you know, not just Marvin Williams, but obviously the guy that everybody is clamoring for, DJ Wilson or Sterling Brown – it doesn't always go the way we think it would go. So uh, I don't know what to expect from Marvin Williams in the final 28 games here. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I think ultimately it's going to be matchup based and uh, I do, you know, have a fair amount of faith that uh, if, if we see, Ursan struggling like he has in particular matchups a little bit over the, the last week or two, then we're just going to see Marvin come in. And we saw this against the Pacers. Even though uh, Williams hadn't played for the Bucs, he was the first off the bench, and Milwaukee were really struggling, and, and Bud was like, okay, uh, the, the, let's get this guy in there. Like, this, is, this is not going to plan. So I've got some faith there that, uh, that he's going to roll with uh, the veteran there. And that's the other thing. I mean, we know that he loves uh, Ursan. We also know he loves veterans, and Marvin, obviously. <laughs> has been in the league for for a long, long time. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he fits in. Uh, he looked offensively a little bit uh, timid, I guess, in the first game, which completely makes sense. And certainly Marvin Williams isn't someone that's aggressively looking to score. He picks his spots. He stands in the corner. He'll knock down those threes. But I'm looking to see how he uh, integrates into this system as, as we keep rolling. But, yeah, I... I you know, I think the, the the big thing we spoke about a little bit about the, the, the Bucks probably just not getting the respect they deserve in terms of how dominant they are. And I always I always bring up this, the fact that you uh, or people are so quick to try and overlook or find reasons why a team is going to fall instead of appreciating how great they are. And when you look at this Bucks team, you look at the net rating, you look at their defense, and simply look at the body of work from last season through to this season. People always say you need to fall that first time before you get that right. that big win, that big great uh, breakthrough. And for some reason, 
the Bucks aren't getting that that respect. And and I, I do really hope that you know we get to the playoffs and they're able to prove people wrong. But uh, like I've said from the start of the season, it's going to probably take that. They're probably going to need to get there and do that before anyone will turn around and say, oh, well, yeah, fair enough. I mean, they were uh, one of the uh, most dominant regular season teams of all time. Maybe we should have probably believed that this was going to be the case. But there's some things that we're not going to touch on. And in terms of Giannis in the fourth quarter last night in the All-Star game, just give him the damn ball and he might have been able to score. They've given well, it to the other guys, right? I mean, I, I just don't think that's a, com- a conversation point at all. Well, and I think we saw too uh, Giannis's GM skills, maybe not quite up there with LeBron as hmm. of uh, yeah. But the other, you know, we don't want to harp on it, but just the whole, well, Giannis needs to develop this or this or this. And that's, you know, that's what we, that he was missing in the All-Star game and he should have, you know, shown that mid-range shot or whatever it is. Number one, why would you want to show that in an all-star game if it is something that you're working on? Why wouldn't you save that for the postseason? But I think ultimately we can talk about Giannis or the outside media can talk about Giannis all they want. But the reality is it's going to come down to his teammates. And last year in the series against the Raptors, really nobody outside of Malcolm Brogdon had a good series. If Chris Middleton is playing like he is right now in the playoffs, if George Hill is doing the same thing, um, if Kyle Korver's hitting shots, then it's a totally different story because you can't build a wall and wall off Giannis and sag off of those guys on the perimeter if they're knocking down shots. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't take a, too much from the All-Star game other than just enjoying the spectacle that it was. But if, I, I just feel if you were going to take anything from the game, I would uh, certainly look at the couple of defensive possessions that Giannis had on LeBron and and say, okay, yeah, that that's something that I can actually point to and say, well, that was actually meaningful because those two might be going one-on-one in the NBA Finals. And then he also put a block on Anthony Davis. And then if you think to the NBA Finals, he's going to have Brooke Lopez standing right next to him as well. And the rest of the number one defense in the NBA. And, and then, uh, you know, it's just interesting to me that people point to uh, – the rest of the players on the floor and it's like well okay this is the whole difference between an all-star game where you've got legitimately five of the best players in the nba on one team you get to the nba finals you're going to have lebron and anthony davis sure that's great and then who have you got kyle kuzma avery bradley it's a different ball game i don't know why people are taking anything from an all-star game that was literally just a whole heap of fun and I walked away from that just thinking, I'm glad that I love the game of basketball and I'm glad that I was able to watch that spectacle because it was awesome. I definitely did not walk away from that thinking, shit, man, I'm nervous about the box in the playoffs. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like, I, I, just, like I, I just wish that people didn't need to just throw a hot take out about absolutely everything and could just say, that was crazy fun. Uh, so what was the best part of All-Star Weekend for you outside of the Sunday night Chicago nightlife? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, All-Star Week, so that was my second one that I've been to. And uh, the, the best thing about All-Star Weekend for me is always just watching it on TV and, and, and seeing that all the best players of the game that you love, the game that you you know you cover now. Obviously, I mean that wasn't always the case, but the game that you spend so much time watching and talking about, all being in the same building, and uh, it, it's not necessarily always 
the most entertaining thing on court. And we've seen this before. There's been bad dunk contests. There's been uh, lack of effort in, in some of the other events on Saturday night and, and certainly the All-Star game. But the fact that you just have that genuine star power in the building is, is, is awesome for me. And like for the second year to be there, uh, you know, obviously this year, last year in Charlotte, it's, it's just really fun. It's fun to be there. It's fun to see, uh, to catch up with a bunch of people from around the country that sort of cover the game that you become friends with and you don't get to see them too often. That's, uh, that's a lot of fun. It's, it's more of a spectacle than anything. Uh, but last night, as, as I sort of pointed to, was the first time that I was actually watching the All-Star game and going, okay, this is, this is, the, this is really awesome. So I felt like last night was, was a complete null level from what I've seen, not only from being there last year, but just watching the game at home. But uh, it's a fun weekend, man. I mean, and, and, you know, it's, an, it's a nice break from the, the, the serious nature, I guess, of the regular season, particularly now with the Bucks being so good. It's like, it's like, okay, let's take a little breather here and then get back to business. I, I saw uh, a few people point out too, like, man, it, it's hard to believe Milwaukee hasn't had yeah. an NBA all-star game since what? 77. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking at first, like, yeah, I guess that's true. But then you think about it like, well, after the first few years of the Bradley center, I guess it's easy to believe that an all-star game didn't come here. Um, and I know there's a lot of hope for 2024. I, it, it's going to come here eventually. I just I think it's going to be a couple more years yet before it gets here. Um, but it, it's going to come to Milwaukee within, by what, 2026, I would assume? Yeah, I think they'll get back here. I mean, uh, the, the biggest obstacle that, yeah, obviously we've spoke about a lot is the fact that obviously Indiana or Indianapolis next season and then, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland after that and then Salt Lake City it, it does just feel like they're going to get to the point where they're like okay let's go let's go to a warm <laughs> a warm weather city for all-star weekend right I mean it, it's just a long time to to not only be in the Midwest but then you know obviously they go to Salt Lake Salt Lake City after that so yeah I, I, I think that just for that reason the odds are stacked against Milwaukee but uh, there's no doubt. I mean, I was I was at the events over the weekend thinking about how cool that would be to have that in Milwaukee, and I know uh, Bucks fans would get right behind that. I, I mentioned on on yesterday's pod that how many Bucks fans I saw getting around, or certainly how many Giannis jerseys you see, and and some of the new Bucks gear. Obviously, I mean, you see that everywhere since since the rebrand. But uh, yeah, it would be a, an incredible spectacle to have in Milwaukee, and and certainly the arena. Like, I mean, it makes sense. Well, I mean, even if you have to wait even longer, let's say it's 2027, you can at least tie in the, hey, it's 50 years since Milwaukee hosted an All-Star game. All right. That seems like a, that seems like a decent push. That, that, that would make sense for me. Obviously, you want to have it earlier, but just given the other uh, areas that they're going to, yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably going to be around that range. I mean, I just think it would be too easy for the league to say, eh, we're not going to Milwaukee. We've, we've been hanging around there for, for a little while. But... Ultimately, it was, it's uh, it's an awesome weekend, and I, I think you know, as I sort of pointed to, maybe they've kind of uh, struck gold here with the with the new format, particularly in the second half. I, I still think the first half is going to be whatever it is. I mean, you're going to struggle to get the guys to compete in the first half, but the second half was awesome. And uh, now, again, I sort of I, I mentioned it yesterday, but now by the time we get through another day, the Bucks will be back at practice. I think they're going to come back together on Wednesday. Uh, to practice ahead of the game in Detroit on Thursday night where they're going to meet up with a, <laughs> a bunch of old friends. And then 
uh, that's it. I mean, it, it gets really serious from here. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty damn excited to, to get down the stretch here and, and head towards the playoffs. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, but for what we saw for the format in the All-Star game, and I've, I heard a few people kick this around, and I know Bill Simmons brought it up on his podcast on Monday. Um, what if we saw that format used where Adam Silver isn't afraid of adopting things, and what if we do get the in-season tournament and that format is used for something like that with the in-season tournament and eventually is something we see used beyond the All-Star game? That's a pretty radical thinking. It certainly could be exciting for the mid-season tournament. I don't, I don't know if you want to extend it beyond that. I'm not... I'm not like a I'm not like a old man baseball fan that I'm completely adverse to change, but I'm also pretty damn cool with the with the the standard format of of what we're rolling with right now in the NBA. Well, it's it's perfect for things like the All Star Game where you, right. you saw just as we assumed in that final quarter. Okay, uh, now these guys are trying to get to that point total. Yeah, no, I, I think that that is is better left in small doses. That's not that's not get too carried away. You said interesting mid season tournament that could be fun, but uh, yeah, that's not that's not mess with the, the the great game that we love. That would be just ridiculous. We don't need to go too far with this. Let's not get carried away. I seen some people comparing that that was the most intense game they've seen and comparing it to NBA Finals. Like let's just relax. It was really fun, but it was an all star game. They went playing for like the NBA championship. So everyone just needs to chill out a little bit, I think, on that. But I think we can leave it there. I think we've covered enough ground in terms of where the puck stands and, and what, we, what we hope to see moving down the stretch here. But uh, again, as always, I appreciate you jumping on. But we will be back tomorrow with Frank. I've got confirmation Frank is back tomorrow. So <laughs> for... Justin Garcia and myself, Kane Pittman, we will speak to you guys tomorrow.